Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Why don't you imagine something with me this morning that's probably a little bit out beyond what you're ever really going to experience in life, but I want you to think about it with me. You know, sometimes, you know, there are earthquakes around the country or other disasters, and people find themselves in various, very precarious situations. And what I want you to, to imagine with me this morning is that you are in a big building, many stories high, and something happens, earthquake, something, anyway, and it kind of collapses, and, and you're, you're up high there, and all of a sudden you find yourself hanging onto a steel girder many floors up. Uh, how many of you are, like, are fearful of heights a little bit? Okay, so you're going to relate to this, right? So you're hanging up there, and it, it, it's tiresome, and you, and you can't see any way. The, the building, what is left of the building is kind of behind you, and so you can't really see, and, but all you can see is that you know, many feet down below is the ground, and you know if you let go, you're going to die. And um, so you're hanging there trying to be able to do, and then, and then you hear a voice someplace down below you, behind you here, saying, hey, listen, just, I want you to do, just tell you just to, to swing a little bit and swing, as you swing backwards, let go and I'll catch you. What do you think? It's kind of like, I don't know, I think I hang on a little harder, right? Hold on to it and, and, and uh, you know, because I'm being told to let go and yet I know if the, I, I, eventually I can't hold on long enough, eventually I'm going down. And so I could try to do this, but so the question in your mind is, do I hold on or do I let go? Let go to something that seems um, uncertain, something that I can't see how it's really going to turn out. So do I hold on to this, which isn't going to work, or do I let go and trust that that's going to work? Well, we're talking about choices that determine our destiny, and I want to say to you that that the choice we're going to talk about today is holding on or letting go. Holding on or letting go. And the choice that, that uh, I'm describing here is a choice that really is very much a once-in-a-lifetime choice. A once-in-a-lifetime choice that you need to make. At the same time, it is a choice that you need to revisit and probably reaffirm, recommit to at every crucial place in your life. The things that come up in life that are big. And you need to say, okay, I need to revisit this issue. And then I would suggest to you that this is the kind of thing as Christians that uh, this choice that we need to take a close look at, a hard look at every year. Every year, you know, we, people do, you know, resolutions and all that kind of stuff, and that's, that's good. But what I'm saying to you is I think that this choice that we're talking about here is a choice that it would make good sense for you every year to, to sit down and remind yourself, wait a minute, here's the choice. Am I holding on or am I letting go? And then, you know what? Every week as you come into worship or on your own before the Lord, you get challenged and you want to say, wait a minute, okay, I need to reaffirm that decision I made. I need to reaffirm that choice. Recommit to it. And really then, as you think of it, it becomes a daily choice. How do I live this out? 
And ultimately, there are times and places when you're going to realize that this isn't just a daily choice. This is a, a moment by moment kind of thing that I need to live out. I need to live out this choice. Hopefully the choice that you made at some point in your life, a once in a lifetime choice, that this is going to govern your life. And then all these other times, you keep working to reaffirm that and recommit to it and say, what does it look like in this situation of my life. So let's take a look at this choice, extremely important choice. Luke chapter 14. And in this chapter, Jesus has been going back and forth with the religious leaders of his day and challenging them to be humble. And then he talks about a supper. Somebody says, wow, won't it be great to uh, eat together in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus uh, goes on and tells a parable that basically says, yeah, but you've got to respond to the invitation. And that a lot of people who you would think would respond to the invitation won't. And they all make excuses as to why they aren't responding. And so he's really challenging him about their excuses. And then he, he, he takes it up a bunch of notches. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we're on page 1203 under the Bible, under the chairs there. We really encourage you to follow along if you don't have your own uh, Bible there. But let's jump down to verse 33 of chapter 14. Jesus says this. So likewise, so he's referring to something up above, which we're going to go back and look through. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. If you do not forsake all that you have, you cannot be Jesus' disciples. And I want you to see there that this does not say Jesus, Jesus knows how to talk, right? He knew how to talk, knew what he wanted to say. He does not say you must be willing to forsake all. He says you must forsake all to be his follower. Now we're not talking about how to, to get into a relationship with him and to receive Christ as Savior and receive forgiveness of sins. Uh, we do that by recognizing that we have sinned against a holy God and that he loved us so much he sent his son Jesus into the world to, to die, paying the penalty for our sins, rising again from the dead. And he offers to us, if we will just be honest with God and ourselves about the reality that we have sinned against a holy God and it's separated us from him. And if we, if we die in that condition, we'll be separated forever in hell. And then, and then instead of that, we say, wait a minute, no, I'm going to trust Jesus, <laughs> I'm going to trust in him to be my savior and, and to accept his payment for the penalty of my sin so that I might receive eternal life. And, um, and, and so that's not this decision he's talking about here. But let me say this. God never saves anyone without intending for them to be a follower of Christ. Do you understand that? Right? If God has saved you, you've, you did like I did, you know, on April 4th, 1975, when I humbled myself before God and said, oh God, I do believe I trust Christ as Savior. I, I give my life over to you. And if you've done that, I want you to know that God's intent for you is that you be a faithful follower of Christ. God's intent is not for anybody to be saved and say, okay, I got the insurance policy, I'm all set. 
And then go do whatever you want to do and live however you want to live. God's intent is for every Christian to live like one, which means you follow Christ, okay? You be a disciple of his. And what does Jesus say here? The only way you can do that is to what? Forsake it all. Now, you're sitting there saying, wow, you know, you have thoughts of what does that mean? And, and, and we're going to talk about what that means. Um, but let me, let's go back to our opening illustration. So you're hanging on that steel beam out there, and you're hearing this, and you recognize the voice. And you realize this is the voice of someone that you know who has experience in rescuing people, who, who has many testimonies of how he's done it. Uh, he, he goes places and does his help. And, and he, uh, he's capable. He knows what he's doing. And he's telling you to let go, right? Let go. Well, who is the one who's telling us to forsake all that we have? Who is it? This is the one who willingly left sinless, glorious heaven and became a human being in a sin-cursed world. He experiences all the ravages of sin in life like we do, but he didn't sin. And he dies on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, right? And that's thousands and thousands, and it isn't what you deserve. What you deserve was what I deserve, and we all deserve, is to be condemned forever in hell, but that's not what he wants for us. He's given himself for us. He has paid the highest price that could ever be paid. He who knew no sin became sin for us, it says, that we might be reconciled with him, made right with him. And then if you've received Christ, he's done that. So what I want you to think of, how much does he care about you? Does he love you? Does he love you better than you love yourself? Does he know how better what your real needs are? All those kinds of things. So what you think is the one that's telling us to forsake everything and follow him is someone who can be trusted. Someone who is good. Someone who has our best interests at heart. And now what we think our best interests may not be, but he knows what they really are. And so consider the one who's saying, forsake all. And again, this is not an option. This is not just be willing to forsake all. Because isn't it easy, wouldn't it be easy to say, hey, I'm willing to forsake all if I need to? Wouldn't that be easy to say? It's harder to do, isn't it? And so that's where the push comes to shove. So the idea is we must do this. And, and before we're done today, I'm going to talk to you about how to do that. But let's look at what Jesus says about how this works and, and what he's talking about here. So he just got through telling the story about people making excuses uh, for not responding to the Lord and not doing what he has invited them, called them to do. In verse 25, now great multitudes with, with him. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. And then the verse we already read, so likewise. And I think he's, he's talking about those last few verses, but he's also talking about this whole section. He's summarizing this whole section. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So what is Jesus talking about here? I mean, you might think that we read that verse and we want to say, well, this will help make it easier. And the first thing he says is what? If you, are, if you don't hate your family. Now, that doesn't seem like a very Christian thing to do, does it? To hate your family. In fact, if you come to and, and uh, meet with me for counseling, or you meet with Pastor Dave for counseling, and you say, I hate my family. We're going to work with you on it, not to hate your family. But here Jesus is saying, hate your family. So what's going on? Well, in one sense, this is a figure of speech. Do you ever use the word hate in ways that you don't literally mean? True, right? I hate that. Well, you don't really hate that. Or you don't hate that person. But you're trying to communicate something powerfully, aren't you? You're trying to communicate powerfully how I feel about this. I hate that. Okay? This is what Jesus is trying to ratchet up here. He's saying, look, your relationship and your love for your loved ones, when you compare that to your love and devotion to me, that's going to look like hate. It's going to seem like hate. And in fact, the reality is that when you love Jesus more than you love your husband or your wife or your kids, your brothers, sisters, parents, when you love Jesus more than that, occasionally they will think, why do you hate me? Okay? And so Jesus is calling us to this kind of relationship with him. So let's, this is the first. We're going to look at uh, some natural priorities that you need to let go of to follow Christ. And the first one is this. Let go of every natural human relationship. Let go of it. So what do you mean let go of it? Well, the idea is that we kind of hold on to those things pretty tightly, don't we? You know, I'll give up easily a lot of things in life for a good purpose, you know, sacrifice, whatever. But if you said, you got to let go of your family, I'm going to wait a minute, right? But I want you to know that people make these kinds of decisions around the world all the time. Some of you may have experienced this in your own personal lives to some extent, but there are places in the world where if you choose to receive Christ as Savior and become his follower, that you are now disowned from that family. There are cultures where they will actually hold a funeral for you because you are dead to them. And so the question would be, why do you hate them that you would choose Jesus over them? But see, this is what we're doing. We're, we're, we're saying that nobody in my life is more important to me than Jesus Christ. Now, does that sound unloving to your loved ones? Doesn't it? Kind of. 
You, you can tell them, and you get in their face, look, nobody's more important to me than Jesus. You're not important to me. Well, we aren't saying do that. But he needs to be more important. He needs to be more important. And, and so the, the number of things that are true here, that the question is, if I have to decide, if I have to choose between following Jesus and meeting some of my family's needs or what they think they need or making them happy with me or even being able to continue a relationship with me, if I have to choose, I've already settled the issue. You see, we need to make the decision, if you haven't already in your life, make a decision now that that is the way it is. I've already decided that. I love my wife passionately, I, dearly. She is so special to me. I can't imagine life without her. I, when I see people who have lost a spouse after many years, like my dad, he was lost. <laughs> it's just, and the challenges, I can't even imagine that. But here is the reality, is that if I have to choose between following Jesus and Glenda, I'm choosing Jesus. And if you think that means I don't love my wife, you're crazy. I love her enough to make sure that she is not first in my life. Because if I put my wife as first in my life before Jesus, if I do that, I have just made an idol out of her. I have just made a false god of her, and I have done her a tremendous disservice, haven't I? By putting her in the role of God in my life and, and what I need her to be for me and to do for me. And, and same thing, you know, maybe the spouse, maybe you say right now, that's ah, okay, man, my spouse, I'll let him go, I'll let her go. But your kids, right? Think about that. Your parents, whatever. Being a follower of Christ, Jesus says you must forsake those natural relationships. He must come first. He comes before them all. And let me say to you parents that when you find yourself someday with kids who are saying, I don't know, I think maybe God wants me to be a missionary. I think he wants me to go move to this place and serve God there. If you try to hold them back because you, you, know, you don't want them to go, you need to settle this issue. And you need to teach your kids, listen, I am your dad. You should listen to me. I have wisdom that you need to understand. You need to let me help you. But I want you to know that when push comes to shove, if Jesus is telling you to do something and I'm telling you something different, you do what Jesus says. You do that. That's the way I'm raising you, to know and love God that much, to follow Christ. And so this idea is forsaking these natural human relationships, and we need to be really honest with ourselves because sometimes when we find ourselves so attached to these human relationships, what we discover, and this often comes up in counseling, is that we think we're so attached for them for their well-being when in reality that attachment is for our well-being because it, it, somehow it's helping us to feel better. You need to forsake that. You need to let go of that. And you need to find your significance and security and your satisfaction first in Jesus. Because nothing else will ever take his place. No other person can take his place in your life. So Jesus calls us to that. He says, I got to come first before your family. And you need to settle it now. Don't just say you're willing. You need to settle it now that you will do. You've already done it. Like I said, I've already made that decision. My wife has already made that decision. I think my kids have already made that decision. 
So what you want to do instead, you've got to let go of every natural human relationship. Hold on to Christ by keeping him first in any relationship he gives you, in every relationship he gives you. In other words, so in my relationship with my kids, Jesus comes first. Okay? But I have a relationship with my kids. God hasn't taken them away. God hasn't said, you need to leave them, Walt. I will if he does. It's already settled. But what I want to do is keep him first in the relationship. Yes, I have a relationship with somebody else. This is not the first part of this relationship. My relationship with somebody else here is first with the Lord. And then the Lord with me in that relationship. This is making sense. And this, it's a challenge. It's a challenging thing because it does not come natural. This is one of the natural priorities we need to let go of to follow Christ. All right. Second one is this. He says, you know, you've got to hate your family. But then he also says, and your own life also. Yes, and his own life also. And there's really two parts to this. But this first one, let's just put it out there. Okay. Let go of staying alive. I mean, the one thing we all typically try to do and, 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 you know, we get real motivated about is staying alive. In fact, we know when someone loses that in their life and they are depressed to the point of thinking about taking their lives, we say, that's a problem, don't we? Something's wrong. You know, they need help. We need to help them. And so staying alive is just a very natural part of a normal human existence. But Jesus says you've got to forsake that. You have to forsake that. You've got to let go of staying alive. You need to be willing to die. Um, back in the first couple of centuries of, of the, after Christ, I can't, there were two, two major plagues that happened. I think it was the first one I'm thinking about. They, the first one they said at that time they believe about a third of the world's population in the civilized areas died. About a third. Right now, that would be like 100 million people. That would be like 30 million. No, no, that would be like, that'd be like 100 million people in the United States died. It was a dangerous plague. And what happened is that people, if somebody in their family started throwing, showing symptoms, they would throw them out. They would put them out into the streets. And they wouldn't care for them because they were afraid they were going to get it and they would die. And so staying alive became the most important thing. But what's interesting is that the Christians of the day didn't do that. The Christians of the day continued to care for the loved ones in their house. And what people began to notice is that more of those people recovered and didn't die. Then what the Christians did as well is they went out into the streets and helped with the people who were there. They helped other people who were sick. And what were they doing? putting their own lives at risk to do what they believed Jesus wanted them to do. You know, we have all this, you know, PPE and protection that we have with this virus right now. And, and people, um, you know, in, in some sense we might feel safe, but it seems to me like even people who do all that still get the virus, right? And some of them die from it. Well, what if God puts you in a situation? What if he just put in your heart, you know, I know the, the nursing home down here is so shorthanded because of this virus, what's going on? And you know what? I, I think God wants me to go volunteer and help and be a light for Christ there. Well, by doing that, what are you doing? You're putting yourself at risk. You might die. 
But the idea is, if you've taken to heart this decision, and you've made this decision, you've let go of everything, and you're, it's only Christ that you're holding on to, you've already made that decision, haven't you? You see, that's where we've got to live. I've already made that decision. I will do what I'm convinced the Lord wants me to do, even if it costs me my life. And there are missionaries who go places like that. There are people getting saved in other parts of the world today who by so doing, put their own lives at risk. But it doesn't matter. The Apostle Paul talks about this and he's uh, on his way to Jerusalem and he knows when he goes to Jerusalem what's going to happen and that eventually it's going to cost him his life. And he says to this, he says, you know what? I don't consider my life dear to me anymore or precious to me. My life is no longer about saving my life. My life is about something bigger, something more important, something more powerful. And you and I need to settle that in our lives. Okay? There's a second part of this. He says, yes, you must you know, hate your own life also. Okay? And it's this. Um, oh, excuse me. Hang on. So let go of staying alive. Hold on to Christ as your reason for living. Okay? As long as he's got something for you to do, you're up for it. But if, it, if he lets it come to the end, it's okay. By the way, what's the, if you die, things get good. Now, if you're hearing me here today and you're feeling depressed and down and you're thinking about living your life and you hear me say to die is good, please don't think, okay, that's it, I'm going. That's not the point. You really, that isn't where Christ wants you and we'd love to help you with that. But for those of us who aren't there, and, and the idea is if, if following Christ costs me my life, oh well, right? Are you guys with me on that? I don't know. It's kind of quiet, isn't it? But this is what he calls us to. Settle it. Settle it now. If need be, I'll die for you. And that, if that ever comes about, you're going to be challenged about it. Did you really mean it? That's true. But let's mean it the best we know how right now. Okay? So, number three. Let go of your personal plans and ambitions. This will forsake your life. Well, I have plans. <laughs> I have ambitions. I have things I want to accomplish. You, you must forsake those things. if you're going to be a follower of Christ. Now, does this mean you have no ambitions or dreams? No. I'm going to talk to you very practical before we end here today about how to do this. But, so you're going to let go of your personal plans and, and ambitions. What you're going to do is hold on to Christ by pursuing the desires he puts in your heart. The Lord, when you forsake this, this is my plans, this is my ideas. Okay, Lord, I forsake that what are your plans for my life? What are your ideas for my life? What, what do you want me to be ambitious about, Lord? What do you want? And then you hold on to that. They might even be the same things. But it's different, isn't it? If you're doing this because you're holding on to it and you're not letting go of this with God, you aren't a follower of Christ. But if you say, no, God, I give it to you. And he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Then it changes everything. All right. Then he goes on and he gives these two illustrations. He talks about building a tower and going to war. And he talks about, uh, you know, counting the cost. Do you have what it takes to finish it? And I want you to see that in both of these, in uh, verses 28 and 29. Wait a minute, am I ahead of myself here? Have I lost myself? Oh, no, that's, that's I am ahead of myself. I'm sorry. So we'll, we'll just go there. The fourth thing. 
is in verse 27. He says, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, what does that mean, bears cross? We know Jesus eventually bears the cross, and it's a, it's a horrific thing. It's, it's extremely difficult, but he's doing it because it's what his father has called him to do. It's, he's doing it because he loves us the way that the Bible says that he loves us. He did all that for us. And so when he tells us to pick up our cross and carry it, he's talking about, okay, I'm going to call you to do things that you're not coming back from. I'm going to call you to do things that are extremely hard. I'm going to call you to do things sometimes that are painful. I'm going to do that. And you need to forsake something. And so what you've got to do is, fourth thing, is let go of avoiding difficulties and hardships. All the advertising that you want and watch tells you, oh, here's a way you can do what? Have an easier life a more pleasant life, a more fulfilling life, a whatever life. It's right, make life easy to the... And so, you know, we kind of naturally... I'd be honest with you, and I'm always honest, I'll be open with you, is that there are plenty of times and things in life that I'd rather not do. I try to do things in a way that doesn't hurt me. <laughs> you know? I you know, recently got back to exercising again. I'm starting real slow because I don't want to hurt myself. I mean, right? That's natural. It's normal. That's not wrong in itself. But what I do need to say is I need to settle in my heart and mind that, listen, whatever the cost is in this life, whether it's emotional pain, relational pain, financial pain, a physical pain, whatever it is, if that's what goes along with serving Jesus, I'm following Jesus. I'm going with the Lord. Now, it's easy for me to say when I'm not feeling pain, okay? But that's the only place I can make that decision right now. And so I forsake this idea of, of having avoiding difficulties and hardship be the most important thing to me in my life. It's not. So what you need to do instead is to hold on to Christ no matter how difficult the hardships become. If, if he calls you to something that's going to be hard, do it. If he calls you to something that's going to be painful, do it. And calls you to, I mean, the idea you'll see in his word, he says to live this way, and you say, well, if I live that way, this, that's what we're talking about, following him. Okay. Then he finally, he, he, he tells the stories about the person trying to build a building and saying, wait a minute, I don't know if I have enough to do this or not. I better not go for this because I don't have enough to finish it. And then he talks about the person going to war and saying, wait a minute, do I have enough to win this war? I, I don't. I, I need to seek peace instead. I, and so he's talking about not being able to accomplish something. And so the fifth thing is this. Let go of trying to serve the Lord in your own strength. You do not have the ability. You do not have the capability to serve the Lord in your own strength. That person, I don't have the ability to build this tower. Huh, I got to forsake building this tower. I don't have the ability to win this war. I need to forsake this war. And so it is in your life. You see, we all have, and some of you may say, I don't think I do, but we all have abilities that God has given us. We have abilities. Some of us are very mechanical in our thinking. Some people are engineers. Some people are artists. Some people are thinkers, teachers. Uh, all of this. We have all of these abilities. But here's the deal. If I want to serve God with my abilities, that's not wrong. But if I think the key is that I have the ability. It's going to not end well. Because I don't have that ability. I don't have the ability in my own strength to accomplish anything of a spiritual nature. Or anything that's eternally significant. 
I might take my ability of being able to understand things and explain them and do it in my own strength. And when all is said and done, you have some new information in your head, but your heart hasn't been changed and God is not glorified. So I have to forsake that and you had to forsake it in your own life. God, I have these abilities. I have this knowledge. I have this possession. I have whatever. He says, in the same way, you've got to forsake that. You've got to forsake that to follow me. And so instead, we say, God, I, I need you to work in my life. Because I do not have what it takes to do this on my own. And lots of Christians, and I'm sure some of you and me from time to time, we're out there trying to live like Christians in our own strength. Never work. Never works. So here's the challenge. This, I was kind of sum it up. Let go of your own version of life in exchange for God's version. That's what we're talking about forsaking, right? I have my version of life and how it's supposed to work and what makes sense to me. And, and Jesus said, no, 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 let go of your version. My version's better. And because here's the reality. If you will make this decision, decision to let go of everything else, hold only on to Christ, I've forsaken all of this, I'm going with Christ, you will never have any regrets, no regrets. I promise you. The only things in my life that I regret are things that I didn't go with Jesus on. It's the truth. I can't think of anything that I've ever regretted following the Lord on. So that's what he calls us to. Um, and uh, Anthony, I'm going to, uh, or Sergey, whoever, I'm going to not do those verses, okay? So this is the, you can leave that slide up there. What are we talking about? How do we do this? Well, let me say to you that once at some point in your life, one time in your life, and then again and again and again, major, any major time in your life, annually, weekly, daily, whatever. But the big times, here's what you want to do. You want to envision in your life, you start thinking, what's, what is in my life? What do I have that I, is in my grasp that, that I can hold on to or, or that I would need to forsake? And you envision this. You envision putting it out on the table in front of you, all of these things. And maybe you do this with your, your wife, your husband, or with your kids. You know, do it yourself and then do it with them too. But the idea is you take it out and you say, okay, here's, here's my marriage. Here's my family, the rest of my family, here's my job, here's the money I have in the bank, here's my calendar and the things I'm planning to do, here's my job, my career, uh, here's my relationship with my church, and you put it all out on the table, you know, here's the, the uh, sports I like to pursue, here's my hobbies, um, here's my house, here's where I live. I, you get what I'm saying? You just really try to come up with a whole long list of anything that's in your control to one extent or another. And you set it out there, and then you say to the Lord, Lord, you know, I have my limitations here, and I, you know, I, 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 you know me better than I do, but I'm saying, I mean it, I'm saying, I forsake all of this for you. I forsake it all. This isn't I'm willing to forsake it all. This is I do forsake it all. Okay? If it helps you, get up and walk away. And come back and sit down with the Lord and say, okay, Lord, 
What do you want me to do? I've forsaken this all, and the Lord says, hey, I want you to, I want you to pick up that marriage of yours, and I want you to love your wife the way Christ loves the church, or wise, I want you to respect your husbands the way the church is supposed I want you to, to work on this marriage and grow it so it becomes not only a blessing to you, but to others, and others come, come to know me because of it, or know me better. I want you to do that. I want, I want you to pick up with your kids. Your job. What about my job, Lord? Well, I'll tell you what, I want you to keep that job for right now because that's how I'm providing for you right now. But I really do have something else in mind for you and I want you to start seeking me and say, God, what do you really want me to do with my life? Okay? But in the meantime, keep working that job and be a good employee there. Or he might say, yeah, you know what? I've been trying to get your attention for a long time. This isn't what I want you to be doing. Let's go do something else. It might be that he says, yeah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to quit that job and I want you to move away to this place and I want you to get an education about how to be a missionary and then I want you to go serve me as a missionary. And, and in fact, I'll, I'll reveal the rest of that to you later, but I want you to go prepare to be a missionary. And what seems like a terribly hard decision to us is no longer as hard a decision because what have we already done? We already what? Forsaken. I've already settled that. What do you want me to do with my money? What do you want me to do with the time that I spend in this hobby? And he might say, you know what? That hobby really isn't very productive in your life. I want you to let it go. Yeah, but God, you know, I already forsaken it. If he says, let it go, I let it go. Now let's talk about it. Remember, who is it we have forsaken this to? The one who loves us more than we can even comprehend and has his good purposes for our lives. Makes all the sense in the world to forsake it all for him. Now, I hope that I've been clear here today. Um, if you're confused, which is possible based on you know, me talking, but if you're confused, let's talk. Let me help you. But if you're here today and you say, you know, I have never settled that once and for all, in just a moment, I'm going to encourage you, or even right now in your own heart, settle it with God. Say, God, I'm going to do that. I'm forsaking it all, and, and maybe I need to go home and do this exercise and work my way through it. Or if you have made that decision already, and you just say, yeah, I need to, boy, I, I remember, I, that is what I really want. That is the decision I made. I, I got to think, how am I, am I living that out today? Have I been living that way? I need to live that way. Oh, God, help me to live that way. All I want to tell you is this, that when, when a group of Christians in a church commit themselves, surrender themselves to this decision, forsaking all, I will follow Christ, what, what is there that God cannot do through us? Can God reach a world around us? He's the God of this city, this area. Can God reach a world around us even in times of the coronavirus? He can. But if we aren't we haven't forsaken everything to follow him. We're not following him, you see? So this decision really is a, either a limiting decision or a really big opening decision. So make it. If you've never received Christ as Savior, that's where it starts. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and the challenges, Lord. And from our natural understanding, Lord, it doesn't make sense to do this. But when we look at the truth, 
who you are and what you've done for us and, and what you say that makes all the sense in the world, Lord. Help us to live there. And I pray, Father, that each of us here will either make that decision once and for all for the rest of our lives right now, or we'd, we'd keep working through it, keep reaffirming it, keep figuring it out, keep turning back to it, whatever needs to happen, Lord. For you to have your way in our lives and you to be rightfully glorified. And, and we know, Lord, that we will be the most blessed, the most encouraged, the most satisfied when you are the most glorified in our lives. Everything else is a counterfeit. Help us to remember it and live by it. You're worthy of all this, Lord. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, God bless you. Go live this out, okay? Go live it out.